Welcome to track number four of Church Planting. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter six. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter six, verse one. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. But before I do that, I have a few books I just wanted to introduce to you. Um, this one is called the Tent Ministry. How to be a minister who is a tent minister. That means to work for the Lord and at the same time be able to do your secular work. All the biblical basis for it is right here. Pastor Oliver has been a tent minister for many years before he became a full-time minister. Pastor Oliver, is that not so? In a way. Yes, doing this and that. Pardon? Till 1992, all right? I, have, I was also a tent minister for some time and then I came into a full-time ministry. So every one of you should get a copy of this. Very easy to read. How to start a church. Amen. This is a very powerful little book. We went through it today. How to start a church. David, you have one. Get one after church, all right? Zigzag. How to recognize demons at work. How many want to be able to recognize demons? Especially in your neighbor, isn't it? Or your wife, or your husband, or somebody next to you, but not in yourself. Well, this one will show you what demons are trying to do. Every little chapter gives you uh, a revelation. For instance, in one of the chapters it says, Demons give rise to uncontrollable people. Anytime you become someone, the Bible says, And no man could bind him. No, not with chains. When the demons possess the madman of Gadara, no one could control him. Nobody could control him. When you become uncontrollable in the church, nobody can control you. The pastor cannot control you. Your father cannot control you. Your mother cannot say anything about your life. No one can have any control of, of, of you or in your life. A demon is working in your life and that's what i came to tell you today read the bible says when the you see when satan possessed the madman of gadara in mark chapter 5 then you see the full manifestation of when when a demon takes over not the bible says, and no one could bind him no not with chains how come no one can advise you how come no one has any input in your life how come no one can talk about anything when it comes to you how come like the prodigal boy he said i'm going i don't want to stay i'm having my own way proverbs 14 12 and proverbs 16 25 there is a way that seems right unto a man at the end of that way and he went out nobody could say anything no one could tell him control him bring him home bring him bible said and no one could bind him no not with chains get a copy of this that's just one chapter i've read to you tell somebody i feel you may need that that book tell the person next to you i think <laughs> hallelujah and 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 the way there's a, there's a chapter in this book that talks about how satan is trying to disgrace you how many would like to be disgraced get a copy of this book and avoid disgrace this one is called the secret the secret it's a secret in there that's the secret the greatest secret of my life sometimes people ask 
What's the secret? What's the secret of this? What's the secret of that? Well, that's why I wrote this book. It's called The Secret. It will be a blessing to you. Amen. And then, preaching, teaching, and healing. Amen. Please, could I have the envelope? Preaching, teaching, and healing. Amen. It's a very powerful book. How many were here yesterday when I preached about this? All right. Make sure you get your copy. All right. It will bless you. And this one is How to Overcome Barrenness in the Ministry. As the Lord blesses you, How to Overcome Barrenness in Ministry. Can you put it right here? So, okay. Somebody should remind me. And then finally, I have just a few more copies of this one. It's called Church Planting. Okay. I just have a few left, but it's a very powerful book. We're sharing from this book today. It will bless you. Amen. Tomorrow during the day, we'll be going through how to become anointed, loyalty, lay people and the ministry, the loyalty we need in the church, a culture that we need in the church to be able to do what and types of people we don't want in the church. Amen. Three types of people we don't want in interfellowship and any other church. How many want to hear the three types of people, we, three people we don't want in the church? Amen. So it's going to be a powerful time. Come with your seat belts and everything so that you will not be ejected out of the church. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Today, I want to share with you about eternal judgment. Eternal judgment. Have I read the Bible already? Verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Amen. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God or of the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. Amen. Well, it says here, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let's go on unto perfection. And what are these principles? He mentioned all of them. And the last one in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2, the last one, please look at it. It says, and of eternal judgment. Eternal judgment is one of the basic principles, or if you like, the final exam. Amen. Now, I have been involved in many, many, many exams. Okay? So, by the time I finished medical school, which was which lasted me seven years, I was an expert in passing exams. I mean, if not doing very well, at least going through. Do well, some, and I did well. I mean, I don't want to boast, but you just take it that I just passed. All right? So, exams involve a strategy. One of the things you will learn about passing an exam is that passing of examinations themselves in itself is not just a matter of having knowledge. But it's, uh, there, there is a strategy involved in doing well in school. How many students do we have here? Or scholars? What do you call it here? Scholars. How many scholars do you have? Just a few. Many of us didn't do well in school. Most of us. We dropped out because we didn't know how to pass exams. Are you l- l- listening to me? When somebody gives you a big book, you don't necessarily have to learn or read the whole book to pass or to do well. I see people who say, no, I've read the whole Bible cover to cover. I haven't read the Bible cover to cover. There is a way you read to know what you need to know. Do you understand? I mean, I don't know how they read it. But people have a way of reading it. I don't know whether they understand what they read. But it's not, not just a matter of saying that you've read it. 
So there is a way you have to prepare. Now what I learned, which is a secret that I want to share with you, which is very related to what I'm preaching about, is that to do well in an exam, you need to simply have one key. How many want to know the key in case you do an exam again? Huh? Now, even if you finish school, you are going to have an exam in heaven. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you there? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Are you there? Have you found it? 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Okay. Let's read verse 10. It says, For we must all be appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men that we are made manifest unto God. I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Amen. Are you listening to me? Are you there? Okay. Now... We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. What is this judgment seat? It is the seat at which every Christian must appear. For judgment of what you have done in your body. This is different from the white throne. The great white throne. Which the, all the world and the unbelievers and so on will appear before and be sent into the lake of fire and so on. This is a judgment seat of Christ where we are judged for the things we have done in our bodies. Alright? So even though we are saved, we, Paul said, must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Recently, one of our Christian sisters died. And um, she died She died on... Um, what day did she die on? She died, I think, it was a, I think it was a Monday or so. And then on Tuesday evening, I was standing... Uh, on our car park and i was talking to some people and i said by now our sister is being taken through some serious immigration formalities <laughs> on arrival in the new jerusalem we shall be in the new jerusalem if you want to get there turn now from your sins when you're washed you can be among god's chosen ones you can be in the new jerusalem you can be in the new jerusalem you can be i can be upon arrival so i just felt that at that particular moment she was undergoing some serious filling of forms and other things were being she was being assessed she was being taken from place to place and they were asking her certain things that happened in 92 93 and certain things that came up and i was shaking on the car park because she had arrived and we will all arrive and when we arrive we will have to appear it's not a matter of going to just we just float up into heaven and god is going to be so pleased 
you are not doing anything for god you are not living right somebody is living right since he came to christ is doing his best do you think we will all be the same bible says god is not mocked the reason why the bible says god is not mocked is because men are mocked sometimes i see pastors you know sometimes when we are praying for people with problems me sometimes i can lay hands on people and start crying on sunday i was laying hands on so i cried and cried and cried and then i left him sometimes too we are so moved with people's problems why because we are mocked sometimes people have been orangus at other churches do you know what an orangu is rebels wicked evil nobody knows their past they have done all sorts of things and they come and we are the new pastor and you look the person is a nice member who's come he has some bad experience in the other church or some churches and you know these other pastors were not reasonable then they come around and we are so moved and we want to really help the person and so on and you are praying for the person and and you see you are you are you are just new in the case you don't really know the person so our hearts are moved sometimes in things that even god is not moved about the person is reaping what he has sown if you had met the prodigal son in the pigs with the pigs what are you doing here so I'm doing some field work. Field work. Field work with the pigs. <laughs> How did you get here? He said, oh, my father sent me. Oh, your father is wicked. He sent you to come to stay with the pigs. Ah. Oh, let's talk to him. No, no, it's okay. Don't call him. Oh, I'll call your father. Talk to him about your situation. Is very bad. Oh, here is some money. Oh, take, take some money. Let, let me give. There you see him again. Are you still with the, are you still doing that job with the pigs? Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still there. I'm still there, I'm, I'm, you know. Well, why don't you go home? Hey, your father, he doesn't want you to come, you see. Oh, we'll, we'll pray about it. Come to church on Sunday. Then the boy comes to church on Sunday. He says, let's pray for our brother who is having this difficulty that God will touch his father's heart. Let's pray that God will lift him up from this situation. You are new. I say you are new in the case. <laughs> you are new in this case. <laughs> when the boy was in his house being uncontrollable and nobody control could control bible says and none could bind him no not with chains where were you the bible says certain man had two sons the younger of them bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child that's why it was the younger boy who said that thing give me the portion of goods that followed to me can you imagine pastor oliver's child come to him and say daddy i don't know when you will die the way you look very fit it, i don't think you will die now so what do you have for me do you have anything at all for me please give me my share now i want to go to johannesburg don't you think pastor oliver will be hurt will be surprised i mean what what, what is that craig come stand stand up i mean if craig comes to see his father say, daddy i've been thinking you would die but up to now you haven't died so give me whatever you have for me i'm going would it be a nice thing i mean it would be a, it would be a very nasty person and, and, and let me just go my own way. It's to be terrible. That's the son. That's the father. That's exactly what this boy did. And they met him with the pig. Sit down. Thank you. They met him with the pig. He said, what? Come to church. Let's pray for you. Then he come to church. Come all those who need deliverance and the promotion of God. Come to the front. Then you see the boy coming. Father, we pray. We lose him from every piggery, every family. Touch his father's heart. Touch his father's heart. We should touch his father's heart. <laughs> were you there when he was telling his father that he is not going to die so he should give him what he has now we should touch his father's heart 
you are new in this case some of you ladies you have spoiled people's marriages sleeping with their husbands now you are married and your husband is a dog which cannot be controlled <laughs> jumping on every female dog that he sees <laughs> now you come and see the pastor say pastor please pray for me pastor please can you pray for me touch touch my husband's heart there's a certain girl she's called rosalia she's worrying my mind i want i think she's a, she has witchcraft she's a very bad girl can you please pray i want you to bind rosalia <laughs> you you want him to bind rosalia rosalia has your spirit the same spirit that you have that's the same spirit that she has yeah and she's now practicing what you have been practicing and you now can't your send your mind back to mr smith's marriage remember mr smith and you broke his marriage you remember mr samson you also broke his marriage you remember mr arthur when you broke his marriage and the man left his wife with the two children you forgotten and you forgotten you see come and let's pray and cast out rosalia so god looks at the pastor's father we cast out spirit of rosalia we break chains and lose mountains and cross rivers <laughs> god just looks at you he's just laughing because you are new in the case but you see god is not new in any case as far as you are concerned god cannot be mocked that's what it means god cannot be god is never a new person in any case he can never be deceived he can never be mocked. he knows everything So he cannot be mocked in any case. You steal from somebody and now somebody is stealing from you. You are not happy. You are a big thief, big time. You've been stealing long time. Even the offering, you steal some. When you were a church member, you never paid tithes. Now you are a pastor, you want people to pay tithes. And you are preaching. Some of you, you are armed robbers in the church. And you are the chief armed robber who is telling people. So you see, God cannot be mocked. So as we live our lives here whatever we are doing when we stand before god it's going to be very clear very plain there are not going to be games what is this is what it is god cannot be deceived he cannot be mocked at all get that straight your life is filmed my life is filmed that's why i'm afraid that's why i'm afraid i don't in any way think that anything that i have accomplished or anything that i have, I have done gives me any credentials before god as i am going i am praying for mercy 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 i tell you when i'm dying i'm sure my last words will be mercy mercy lord hey. and by the time i finish preaching tonight you will be shouting mercy grace mercy because you will know that you need more mercy all right because i'm going to take you to heaven today now i was telling you about exams the key to passing exams is one key don't forget it even the key we are going to see for heaven it's just one key the key is past questions past questions don't bother to learn too much go straight to the past questions look i am a doctor we have exam medical school we have exams yeah we have steeple chase where they arrange dead bodies in a in a in a series like that you go question one you go to this dead body there's a flag on this place 
there's a flag on a part of a body that has been dissected this place has been open and they put a flag they say what is a then you have to answer a is this what is what is the nerve supply of a if the nerve supply of a is disconnected what will happen you write quickly then bang the the bell goes bang then you go to the next one you see another flag on something what is b b is this what does b do it does this see what does the whatever blood supply of c you have to run then you go ping go to that exams we do every week that's why it's called steeple chase then oral exams you sit in front of six professors and they ask you anything that comes to their head what they read in the morning they'll ask you they don't know much but what they've read in the morning they just ask you what they've read <laughs> anything that occurs to them, anything that they are sure of they'll ask you do you see and then you have to answer multiple choice questions essays throughout the school we were writing this as for seven good years with material and there's no way you can learn everything so one day our professor our professor you have to know how to pass the exam you have to learn how to pass otherwise you never pass a big book like this a young person how do you know everything you cannot know you have to go straight to what did they ask before you understand what did they ask one day one guy he, he he went we have all the questions with us when you're going for the exam you have to learn the past questions Do you understand one day we went sometimes on exam they would just lift exactly they write the 1993 exam exactly and put it there for you if you haven't seen it you cannot pass so when i was preparing for my exam i used to go around the hostels there any latest magic we call it magic the past questions magic in fact they used to call me magician it's the same thing for your standard what is your call matric and whatever is it not the same if you like are there not past questions if you like sit there and just read your book without doing past if you have a school and the school takes the students through the past questions and you make it your project you finish the syllabus long before time one year before time now you start just doing past questions your students will be very good they will get the highest marks that's the key to passing exams i'm giving you a tip those of you who are running schools here i remember and even when it's oral exams when the person goes out and then he goes in when he comes out you have to ask what did they ask you what did they ask you you don't just sit down quietly be reading anything what did they ask you how it has helped me to just ask what did they ask i remember one exam that i went for i they came out some guy came and said they asked me the pathology of it was a pathology and what happens in the body when diabetes with the pathological changes that take place from the head brain to the leg every part of the body the pathological changes that take place in diabetes when i heard i said wow what a question so i quickly looked through my book and i had the list oh no and i just already knew but i became very warm on it when i went they passed me through the bush different questions this that that then the guy made the mistake of asking that question what are the pathological changes that take place with diabetes i said my brother you have brought yourself <laughs> i started to talk is this this that then i was mentioning big big words i would say the word then professor said excellent then i'll continue <laughs> talking 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 oh in fact i was going higher and higher and higher at the point when i was saying some of the things all the seven professors were quiet and i said well, you don't know what i'm saying they don't know it i'd reach a realm that they didn't know what i was saying <laughs> i tell you that exam i had a distinction 
I was the only, I topped my class. I won a prize more than 2,000 pounds, a ticket to go to London and all that. From that, pass question secret. When they come out, ask them, what did they ask you? What did they ask in the matric? And use one year to learn only past questions. And as you learn the past, you become very good. When you see questions, you are know, so this is that. This is that. Jesus said, this is that. When the Holy Ghost fell, they said, this is that which was spoken of Joel. This is that. So now what we need is somebody who has been to heaven and has seen some of the past questions that will be asked. Well, what do you think about that? <laughs> How many will like that so that you, you clearly know what will be asked in heaven? How many will like that? How many want that so that you get ready? Is it a good idea? How many would like that? Would you really like that? Huh? So that we can know the questions. And then we prepare ourselves. That, that's what I came to tell you today. So I'm coming to now show you somebody who has been there. And what was told him. And let's see what happened. I'm reading from my book here, The Final Quest by Rick Joyner. Get a copy. It will help you. In this chapter, The White Throne. He talks about people that he met who were there. You get it? And I just want you to see. The first one, he passed through a certain door. And as he entered the door, as he passed through the door, he saw... Um, good. As he passed through the door, right, he realized that as he was walking to the left and to the right, were standing in ranks several people multitudes as i looked at them they were more dazzling and more regal than anyone i had ever seen their countenance was captivating then as i turned towards those that were close to me they bowed in a greeting as though they recognized me he's now in heaven then he said how is it that you know me i asked surprised at my own boldness to ask him a question then they said you are one of the saints fighting in the last battle a man close by responded everyone here knows you as well as those of those who are now fighting on earth we are the saints who have served the lord in the generations before you we are the great cloud of witnesses given the right to behold the last battle we know all of you and we see all that you do is it not in the bible for we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses therefore let us run with endurance the race that is set before us huh? And that's it exactly. He said they are watching us. And it's true, they are watching us. In the, you see, heaven is watching me here. As I'm challenging you people to rise up. And I'm trying to teach you to rise up. And let's go into the communities and the nations. And take the nations for Jesus Christ. I am, I am an encourager of the troops. I am building up the troops. I am trying to stir up the troops to move out. And say, look, come on. Let's take some more land. Let's stop huddling. And let's stop being enclosed in our own little enclosure and let's move out and take the truth they are watching and they're encouraging they are saying come on now tell them tell them to move tell them to be blessed tell them eternal judgment is coming that's what i'm talking about tonight so to my surprise i recognized someone i had known on earth he had been a faithful believer but i did not think he had ever done anything of significance he was so unattractive physically on earth that it made him shy. Here he was more handsome than anyone I had known on earth. He stepped up to me with an assurance and dignity that I had never seen before in him or in any man. 
Then he said, this is what the guy said, heaven is much greater than we could have dreamed of. He began. This room is but the threshold or the beginning of the realms of glory that are far beyond the ability we had to comprehend. It is also true that the second death is much more terrible than we understood. Neither heaven nor hell are what we thought it would be like. If, listen, if I had known on earth what I know here, I would not have lived the way I lived. Now you, you are seeing the past question. You are greatly, listen, he told him, you are greatly blessed to have come here before you died. He said, looking at my garments. Then I looked at myself. I still had on a mantle of humility. And I felt both foul and crude standing before those who were so glorious. I began to think I was in serious trouble if I was planning to appear before the Lord like this. Like the eagles, my old acquaintance could understand his thoughts. He said that in heaven, when they think, everybody knows what you are thinking. So there's nothing like what you speak is what people know. But when even you think, they know. So when he thinks something bad, they know. When he thinks something good, they know. Then he said, those who came here having the mantle of humility had nothing to fear. Then he said, I did not notice anyone bowing to me. He said, it is not improper. Here we show each other the respect that is due. Even the angels serve us here. Only God and his Christ are worshipped. There is a marked difference between honoring one another in love and worshipping them. If we had understood this on earth, we would have treated others very differently. It is here in the light of his glory that we can fully perceive and understand one another. I was still ashamed and I had to restrain myself from bowing to him. Then I began lamenting that my thoughts were so foolish as they were on earth and everyone knew them. Again, my old acquaintance responded. He said, we have incorruptible bodies now, but you do not. Our minds are no longer hindered by sin. We are therefore able to comprehend many times what even the greatest earthly mind can comprehend. And then he continued, he said, we, this guy, he said, we are the least of all the people in heaven. And he said, how could you be the least? I asked with disbelief. And he said, there is an aristocracy of sorts here. The rewards for our earthly lives are the eternal positions that we have forever. Because he was now at the lowest ranks. He said, this great multitude, he showed them, this great multitude here, are those whom the Lord called foolish virgins. We knew the Lord, the foolish virgins. We knew the Lord and trusted in his cross for salvation. But we did not really live for him. But for ourselves. We did not keep our vessels filled with the oil of the Holy Spirit. We have eternal life, but we wasted our lives on earth. I was really surprised by this, but I also knew that no one could lie. Then I said, the foolish virgins gnashed their teeth in outer darkness, I protested. And that we did, he said. The grief that we experienced when we understood how we had wasted our lives was beyond any possible grief on earth. The darkness of that grief can only be understood by those who have experienced it. He said, there, listen, there is no greater folly than to know the great salvation of God and then to continue living for yourself. There is no greater folly. To come here and learn the reality of that is grief beyond what any earthly soul can experience. Then he continued. Looking at me straight in the eyes, he continued, the Lord also loves us with a love greater than you can yet understand. Before his judgment seat, I tasted the great darkness of soul and remorse all right so he continued and um, he explained 
how he, he, his greatest mistakes were there. So now, this is what I want to say. First of all, and I, I want to use scriptures. You know, Jesus said he gave to everyone one talent, two talents, five talents. And every one of us is going to account for the talents that have been given to us. So if you get saved and you continue to live your life doing whatever you want to do, you are going to have one of the greatest judgments of all. So everyone here must know that God is going to judge you because the Bible says he has saved us unto good works. Amen. He has given one talent and he said, occupy till I come. Jesus himself said it. So your judgment will be based on what you did with what God gave you. Your talents, your abilities. God will judge you. Eternal judgment is going to be based on what you do. So you cannot afford to just live anyhow. Do whatever you want to do. Say whatever you want to say. Live anyhow. You are not free. You are a born servant of Jesus Christ. And so the first judgment that I want you to see here. I'm just going to read a few. Because he met different people including pastors. And he told them the different things they had. They were very, they were very surprised. So you listen carefully. Everyone here. God wants you to rise up and now not live for yourself, but live for him who died for you. Hallelujah. Then, the next, he met, he, you see, he met different people. Now he's about to meet somebody else. Alright? Now, notice. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. I, I want to read the scripture first, otherwise we, we may not read the Bible at all. Because all that we are doing is based on scripture amen and one of the judgments that jesus talked about was the judgment of having people sent to you whom you do not receive luke chapter 19 verse 12 he says and a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return and he called his ten servants and delivered unto them ten pounds and said unto them occupy till i come sorry that, well that's the that's the the testimony of the one before all right occupy till i come but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying we will not have this man to reign all right verse 16 then came the first saying lord thy 10 pound thy pound has gained 10 pounds amen verse 18 the second came lord thy pound has gained five pounds amen and another came and said lord here is thy pound i have kept laid up in a napkin i am reserved in the church I have wrapped your gift. I don't sing in the church. I don't play instruments in the church. I don't contribute my money in the church. I have wrapped it in a napkin. How many have wrapped your gifts in a napkin? And you are watching us. You are watching Pastor Oliver as he struggles with you in the church. And you have wrapped yourself. You are enclosed. You are, you are, you are kept in. Barrenness has taken over because you are so enclosed within yourself hear me and hear me well listen then another came and said i've laid it up in a napkin verse 22 and he said unto him out of thine own mouth no he said verse 21 for i fear thee because thou art an austere man thou takest up that thou layest not down and reapest thou thou did not sow and he said unto him out of thine own mouth will i judge thee thou wicked servant wicked what is wicked about doing nothing thou knewest i was an austere man taking up that which i laid not down and reaping that i did not sow 
Wherefore then givest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required my own with interest? And he said unto them, that steward, that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that had ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he had ten pounds. For I say unto you, that every one which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, it shall be taken. And those my enemies that would not reign, have me reign over them, bring hither and slay them. Amen. So you see straight away that there's going to be a judgment. Now the next judgment, so I'm giving you five judgments. Everybody say five judgments. Five judgments. Number one is for fruitfulness. Number two is for receiving God's servants who are sent to your life. You must receive the people whom God sent. Because he will make you account for the people he sends to you. Every pastor should take note. God sends different. There are some people God does not send to you. He has not sent them to you. But when you sense yourself being drawn towards somebody, or when you find yourself understanding somebody's ministry, you must know that this person has been sent to you. For instance, there are some men of God I don't understand, like somebody like Creflo Dollar. I mean, he's a great man of God. He has one of the greatest. But when I listen to him, I don't understand what he's preached. I have tried to understand. I have bought tapes. I bought his tapes. I watch on television. But I don't understand it. So I have concluded that God has not sent him to me. Although he has one of the largest churches in America and a very huge worldwide ministry. Do you understand? Uh, but when I, I listen to Kenneth Hagin, I, I understand what he's saying. I gave Kenneth Hagin's tape to one of my pastors. He went to a place. He, he came back to me. He said, I, I don't understand it. So he gave it back to me. I said, well, he has not been sent to you. Do you understand? Everybody has been sent to somebody. Do you understand? God has not sent everybody to us. That is why there are some ministries. You know, they just don't tell you. They don't attract you. You don't, you, don't, you don't seem to understand what they are saying or what they are doing. It's just not sent to you. But there are some people that have been sent to you. And this, when somebody has been sent to you, you must receive them. Even if it is not in the packaging you thought, even if the person is younger than you, the person is not as nice as you, the person is a black man, you are a white man, the person is a blue man, you are a red man, whatever color he is, whatever, God expects you to humble yourself and receive the person. Otherwise, one day he will judge you for the people that he sent to you and you did not receive them. How many understand what I'm talking about? God has sent different somebody like Joyce Meyer. She's a wonderful lady, wonderful lady. She ministers. I have bought all her books for my wife, and uh, I have all her books in the house. When I listen to her, I just cannot continue listening to her. I understand what she's saying, but after a few seconds, I don't feel like listening anymore. But there are Rick Joyner who writes very difficult books. In fact, one of the most difficult people to read is Rick Joyner. But somehow, I am able to be blessed so much by him. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I'm able to receive so much from this person. So now, I, 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 I swallow his books. I swallow his material. I spent, I, I travel with his books all the time. Look at me in a church, promoting. When I started promoting, it got finished in Accra. They have to import from like different shops all over the city. I promoted everywhere. I, I'm not, I don't feel that I'm promoting him. I mean, there's nothing wrong if I, if I promote him. But that's not, I'm sharing something that is true. And something valuable that helps people. And I don't care if it comes from somewhere. Everything comes from somewhere anyway, even if they don't say it. These people who sing. Who sings his own song? Everybody goes to learn somebody's song and comes to sing exactly the same song. Why is it that we don't have a problem with that? When somebody goes to learn somebody's sermon and come to preach exactly, why do we have a problem with that? 
the best way to learn the best way to learn in fact, the god-given way of learning is copying god's way of learning is to copy if the human earthly way of learning is to write notes should i prove it to you shall i prove it to you when somebody is born ch- children and they are learning how to speak you say i am going to ambassador hotel then the child will say i'm going to Amanawa hotel is that not so and they just say it after you and within the shortest time they will learn a language meanwhile you will go to university and school and you'll be trying to learn french trying to learn spanish still after two years after three years you can't speak by the child one year i am going to Awarababa hotel is learning next ambassador copying is the highest form of learning but because we have given that type of learning bad names copycat copycat cloning we call it cloning copying copycat copying in school so we have a bad mind about copying but if you want to be a good preacher and you want to be a good minister one of the fastest ways is to copy and that is why the asians who have shamelessly copied everything have advanced so quickly and africa has shamefully stayed far behind because we don't want to use the highest form of learning we want to be original original in backwardness <laughs> careful now so for me me i learn me if, if god has sent you to me i will copy you copy is a good word for me it's not an, a bad word i will copy your preaching i'll learn when you speak i'll learn the phrase like when you say so help me god i'll learn so help me god and i'll add it to my preaching and when i preach you say wow it's powerful so yeah i copied from somewhere and i brought it (laughs) zigzag (laughs) you keep on sitting there trying to be original you never get anywhere look at the asians hyundai they came and copied is it mitsubishi hyundai is that not so hyundai i think they got and then daiwu they went and copied opel exactly the same car and when they copied it for some time and they became good at it for the copying then they started to mutate and change then now they have their own styles and so quickly they are now car manufacturers and here we are in africa even wheelbarrows we don't make them <laughs> zage are you listening to me yeah so when god sends somebody to you just open up relax don't think of bad words like copycat cloning somebody told me i'm making clones i'm making clones at least i've got fruits he said i'm making clones i have 400 churches he has one church that keeps on dividing into fragments wisdom is justified of his children yeah so i'm making clones i'm making clones you are making nothing at least i have something (laughs) so did i read it to you i didn't read it luke chapter 20 a certain man planted a vineyard and let it forth to husband men and went into a far country for a long time and at the season he sent a servant to the husband men that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard but the husband men beat him and sent him away empty you see god sent somebody to you and you beat him and you drive him away verse 10 verse 11 again he sent another servant and they beat him also and then treated him shamefully and he sent him away empty many times god will send you your pastor you treat him shamefully 
You don't treat him well. You don't love him. You don't protect him. You don't care for you. You treat him shamefully. God will judge you for everybody. This is the judgment. Luke chapter 20. God is showing, Jesus is showing the different past questions of how your judgment will be. How do you treat that man? How did you treat that pastor? How did you treat the person that was sent to you? How did you treat that man whose books were brought to you? How did you treat it? They treated him shamefully. And then again, he sent another servant. And they beat him also. And treated him shamefully and sent him away. A third one. And they wounded him. And they also cast him out. Is that not what we do to our men of God? Are most of our men of God not wounded? Most of them are preaching out of their heads. When they preach, you can see that they are wounded. Pastors are wounded. They love the people and the people give them something else back. They pour out their lives. They pour out their hearts. And then they say all sorts of things and do all sorts of things. The people are wounded that we send to them. You go to Rejoiner's website. This, uh, uh, if, if you type, even if you type my name into the web, website, you see so many things. You see bad things and you see good things. If you type Rejoiner's name, you see bad things, you see good. So many people lambasting him. Go to Kenneth Higgins' website. You see bad things, good things. So people accusing any man of God who is sent. There are always a horde of people there to oppose the person and treat him shamefully and wound him. Oh, you don't understand the message. Amen. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, what shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be that when they will reverence him, when they see him. But the husbandmen saw him and the reason among himself, let us, this is the heir, let us kill him and the inheritance will be out. So they cast him out and they kill him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and give the vineyard to others. Amen. Let me read an example from this book. Rejoiner finished meeting the guy who didn't do much for God. Now he met somebody who God had sent to him. This man was now dead. God had sent to him to be a father to him. But he did not accept him. Listen. Just when I thought I would collapse under the weight of this terrible discovery, a man whom I had known and esteemed as a great man of God stepped forward to meet me. Somehow his touch revived me. Then he greeted me warmly. This was a man by whom I had wanted to be discipled. I had met him. But we did not get along well. Be careful of the people you don't get along well with. Like a number of others, I had tried to get close enough to learn from him. But I was an irritation to him and he finally asked me to leave. He sacked him. For years I had felt guilty about this. Feeling that I had missed a great opportunity because of a flaw in my character. Even though I had put it out of my mind, I still carried the weight of his failure. So when I saw this man in heaven, it all surfaced and a sick feeling came over me. Now he was so regal that I felt even more repulsive and embarrassed by my poor condition. I wanted to hide, but there was no way I could avoid him. To my surprise, his warmth toward me was so genuine that he soon put me at ease. In fact, the love I felt coming from him almost took away my self-consciousness. I have waited eagerly for this meeting, he said. You are waiting for me? I asked. Yes, you are just one of the many I am waiting for. He said, I did not understand, listen to this, till my judgment, that you were one that I was called to help. 
to even disciple i was called to disciple you but i rejected you that's what the father was saying sir i protested it would have been a great honor to be discipled by you but i am very thankful for the time i did have with you but i rejoined i was so arrogant that i deserved the rejection i know that my rebellion and pride has kept me from having a real spiritual father up till today this was not your fault but mine then the man said it is true that you were prideful but that is not why i was offended with you i was offended because of my insecurity which made me want to control everyone around me i was offended that you would not accept everything that i said without questioning it i then started to look for anything that was wrong with you to justify my rejection of you and i began to feel that i could not control you and that one day you would embarrass me and my ministry so i drove you and i drove many others away others like you this was the pastor so now you see the judgment has turned both of them both rejoiner judgment and then the father so you see that's why sometimes when i sense in my spirit that god has called me to help somebody i don't have to drive the person away i have to be careful because god has sent people to you so that you will help them you will pastor them you will disciple them when you drive them away and when you don't come for the help one day you are going to have your judgment all right hallelujah now he goes on now this man um now this man now the next judgment is a judgment about pride pride turn with me to matthew chapter 18 in fact maybe i should just read the verses so that we finish reading the verses then we can do the past questions how many are being blessed with the eternal judgment how many are getting scared for yourself huh <laughs> zigzag all right i think i'd like to read all the verses then we close that, that chapter matthew 18 verse 3 verily verily i say unto you except you be converted and you become as little children you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven amen verse 4 whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven amen and whoso shall receive one little child in my name the same receiveth me amen turn with me to first corinthians chapter 13 i just want to read these verses to you and then we can we can continue first corinthians chapter 13 verse 1 though i speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels and i have no charity i am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal huh and he said though i have the gift of prophecy and i understand all mysteries and i and all knowledge and i have all faith so that i could remove mountains and i have not love i am what zero you are not nothing on earth but as far as god is concerned you are nothing and when you get there you will be found out that you are you find out that you are nothing even though you built a big church verse 3 though i bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though i give my body to be burned i sacrifice and i have not charity it profiteth me nothing at the end of the day it will turn out to be nothing amen now he started to meet pastors this is what pastors of big big churches all right are you listening now he goes on and he says i had been given the grace to be a spiritual father but i was a very bad father all children are rebellious and they are all self-centered that is why they need parents to bring them up but i turned away many of god's own children look at what the man is saying 
I turned away many of God's own children because he had, that he had entrusted me to get them safely to maturity. I turned them away. I failed with many of those who stayed with me. Most of them suffered terrible, unnecessary wounds and failures that I could have helped them to avoid. Many of them are now prisoners of the enemy. Listen, I built a large organization. I had considerable influence in the church. But the greatest gifts that the Lord trusted to me were the ones who were sent to me for discipling. And many of those people I rejected. If I had not been so self-centered and concerned with my own reputation, I would be a king here. The, I tell you, the man was at the lowest place. And he said, I would have been a king over here. If I had not been concerned with so much of myself. He said, I was called to sit on one of the highest thrones in heaven. Then he said, all that you have and will accomplish, all that he rejoined would have had and have accomplished would have been in his account as well. So you see, that's why I'm investing in you because all that you will accomplish in this church is part of my heavenly account. Pastor Oliver, I think you see why I've been coming back. (laughs) Because all that you will accomplish, if I'm able to contribute something that helps you to go further, all that you accomplish is part of my account. Is it not a powerful thing? It's very powerful. Then he said, what you accomplished, Jonah told them, but when you were on earth, what you accomplished was astounding. Then he said, what looks good on earth looks very different here. He said, what will make you a king on earth will often be a stumbling block to keep you from becoming a king in heaven. Are you listening? He said, what will make you a king on earth will often keep you from being a king here. What will make you a king here is lowly and unesteemed on earth. Is it not amazing? That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. When you become the least on this earth, you become the greatest in heaven. What will make you a king here? You have to be pompous. You have to ride the best cars. You have to show money. You have to steal. You have to rob. You have to cheat people. You have to do so many things. You have to tell lies. You have to look powerful. You have to ride over people. Those are the things that will bring you very low in heaven. So the least person amongst us. That is why if you see somebody who has a big church, it doesn't mean that the person is going to be at a great place in heaven. No, 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 no. At all. At all. It's the least. It's the, you should not look at that at all. The fact that somebody is preaching, some of you here may be on higher thrones than some of us who are sitting in the front here or preaching. Now listen, another man suddenly stepped forward and I recognized him as one of the greatest Christian leaders of all time. And this man was now in the company of foolish virgins. This greatest Christian leader of all time. Then he said, with the greatest surprise, I cannot believe that you two are here among the foolish virgins. I cannot believe that you two are here. Tell somebody, I cannot believe that you two are there. Eh? Are you going to be among the foolish virgins? Will I be among the foolish virgins one day? And you see me there, you say, Bishop Dad, you know, I'm surprised that you are among the foolish virgins. I remember the sermon you were preaching from the final quest. Mercy for me. Mercy for me. I pray. Yay, God. I'm always praying for myself. Since I read this book, eh? I have become more afraid for myself. 
I have lost all my confidence in my ministry and what I have done and what I do. Because what I'm going to read here will help you to understand. He said, I am here because I made one of the greatest mistakes as one entrusted with the gospel. Just as Paul progressed from not considering himself inferior to becoming the greatest of sinners, I took the opposite course. And I started knowing, started by knowing that I was one of the greatest sinners. But after a while, I ended up thinking that I was one of the greatest apostles. And it was because of my great pride that I began to attack everyone who did not see everything just the way I did. Those who followed me, I stripped of their own callings, even their personalities. Pressurizing them to become just like me. No one could be himself. No one dared to question me because I would crush him into powder. I thought that by making others smaller, I made myself greater. I thought I was supposed to be the Holy Spirit to everyone. From the outside, my ministry looked like a smooth running machine. Where everyone was in unity and there was perfect order. But it was the order of a concentration camp. In the end, I was not even serving the Lord, but the idol that I had built to myself. By the end of my life, I was actually an enemy of the true gospel. At least in practice, even if my teachings and writings seemed impeccably biblical. You see, like me, I've written a lot of books. You see, when I saw that, I became very worried. (laughs) Mercy! This was so astounding. Coming from this person, I began to wonder if every meeting that I had was meant to give me a greater shock than the previous one. Then I said to the man, if that is true, that you became a gospel enemy of the God, how is it that you are here? You are still in heaven. Then the man said, by the grace of God, I did trust in the cross for my own salvation. Even though I actually kept other men from it. By leading them to myself rather than to leading them to the Lord. Even so, the blessed Savior remains faithful to us when we are unfaithful. So it was also by his grace that the Lord took me from the earth sooner than he would have. Just so those who were under me could find him and come to know him. Are you hearing what we are? He said the Lord took him from the earth quickly. So that those under him would get to know the Lord. Because like everybody under his. You see when you are a pastor, everybody under you is somehow restricted to a certain level of knowledge. They are not encouraged to know the Lord himself. So the Lord said I had to remove him so that those under his ministry could be released to know the Lord for themselves. Mercy. I said mercy. I could not have been more stunned to think that this was true of this particular man. History has given us a very different picture of him. Reading what was in my heart, he continued, God has a different set of history books than those on earth. You had a glimpse of this, but you do not know how different they are. Earthly histories will pass away, but the books that are kept here will last forever. If you can rejoice in what heaven is recording about your life, you are blessed indeed. Men see through a glass darkly, so their histories will always be clouded and sometimes completely wrong. Look at the question he asked him. How is it that so many other Christian leaders esteemed you so great? I inquired, still having trouble absorbing what I was hearing. Then he, he answered. He said, very few, if even very few Christians have the true gift of discernment. Without this gift, it is impossible to accurately discern truth. In those of the present and the past. Until you have been here and have been stripped, you will always judge others through distorted prejudices. 
either positive or negative that is why we were warned not to judge before the time how many have been judging people you look at pastor fred roberts you pass some judgment on him you look at pastor ray mccauley you pass a judgment on him you look at pastor oliver you pass a judgment on him you look at this person you pass and all our judgments are distorted we don't know the realities about anything then he said having come here you will live with far more wisdom and discernment but on earth you will always see through a glass darkly now listen to what's going to happen then a woman stepped forward what's the woman going to say then the woman said i was his wife on earth she began come and listen to marital troubles you listen now we are going to marriage i was his wife she began much of what you know of him actually came from me therefore what i am about to say is not just about him but about us he said you can reform the church without reforming your soul he said my husband lost his soul to me but he only gained it at the end of the life of his life because i was taken from the earth so that he could much of what he did for was for me rather than for the lord i pressurized him and gave him much of the knowledge even that he taught i took over his life so that i could live my life through him soon i had him doing everything just to prove himself to me you see there are wives who stay at home and they put pressure on their husband to do things sometimes through accusation the husband is always trying to prove that he's right or that he's not bad and he's pushing so various kinds of pressures you find out that the husband is now not doing what god says but he's doing what is well and let me speak to every man here let me tell you you are the head when god came to the garden the garden of eden he said adam where are you he didn't say eve where i said adam adam where are you so at the end of the day you are going to be held accountable your wife is not the holy spirit the, the puppet almost fell down because of what i said <laughs> it's very powerful i tell you amen i said your wife is not the my wife is not the holy holy if i was to follow my wife i would not be here i don't follow my wife my wife does not lead me my wife is not god my wife is not jesus christ i don't take instruction from my wife i lead my wife and she follows me and when my wife is trying to guide me and to take over the work of the holy spirit something rises in me and say this i know no i am not going to follow that and there are many quiet and subtle ways in which a wife can lead you astray like eve eve had gone to eat the fruit and she came to adam adam why don't you have an apple <laughs> and adam said no i don't want this apple i have told you i don't want it why why adam why don't you have an apple adam adam do you love me adam you don't care you want me to perish on my own isn't it why don't you have an apple adam adam said listen you are disturbing me you see i knew more than you want my mommy told me i shouldn't marry you because of the way you be my mother told me your mother told you now that you shouldn't marry adam you are trying to get him to eat your apple and she put pressure on him pressure on him and the understand 
Uh, bring the apple, let me eat one. <laughs> okay, bring that, bring that apple. <laughs> you should have seen him. <laughs> Mommy told me not to marry I knew he wouldn't treat me well. You leave me to die on my own. You leave me to die on my own. I want you to go through. You know what I've been through since I had the apple? At least if you had it, you would understand how I feel about everything. Through that, we are all here. We are all here today. And when God asked Eve, you know the question he asked Eve? What is this that thou hast done? What is this that thou hast done? What is this that thou hast done? Some women, you think you are stronger than men. You have made yourself Tarzan woman in the house. Tarzan. Hmm? Rambo. You are a woman Rambo. Rosalia Rambo in the house. More than a man. <laughs> Everything you have a say, you have something else to guide and to rule the house through either strength or other kinds of manipulation either through tears or certain stubbornness oh man man what kind of ugliness is that and you are you are trying to take over like jezebel you come and you want to take over you do this do this okay arrest them you leave it to me i'll sort it out she who must be obeyed rosalia rambo Teresa Tarzan. And she said, I pressurized him to do whatever I wanted him to do. Then, Rejoiner looked at his wife, uh, at the man, and asked him, You must have loved your wife very much. I said, looking at him. Then listen to what he said. No, I did not love her at all. Neither did she love me. In fact, only after a few years, just a few years after we got married, we did not even like each other but we both needed each other you see some of the way the marriage is if you break it will cause so many problems so let us manage ourselves you, you know what i mean manage the whole problem for a long time hey, you people you understand what i'm preaching about i tell you <laughs> but we both needed each other so we found a way to work together our marriage was not a yoke of love but of bondage in fact the more successful we became the more unhappy we became and the more deception we used to fool those who followed us we were empty wretches by the end of our lives kings feared us but we feared everyone from the kings to the peasants we preached love and trust because we wanted everyone to love and trust us but we ourselves feared and secretly despised everyone. Their words began to pound me as a hammer. I could see that my life, re rejoined, I was already heading in the same direction. I looked again at this couple. They looked so noble that it was impossible to question their motives. Then he said, I may have had a wrong concept of you by your history and your writings, but I have an even higher esteem for you now. I pray that I can carry from this place the integrity and freedom you now have. How I long. Then the, the reformer answered with a final exhortation. Do not treat, try to teach others what you do, yourse what you yourself are not doing. True reformation comes from union with the Savior. When you are yoked with Christ, 
carrying the burdens that he gives you will be carrying the burdens that he gives you he will be with you and carry them for you you can only do his work when you are doing it with him not just for him only the spirit can get that out of his spirit amen oh there are more stories the wife is now coming to talk plenty plenty talking then suddenly i remember i recognized another man who was a contemporary not an old guy who was dead and he said even when he recognized him he did not know that the man had died then this man had a great ministry which i respected very much through men that he had trained thousands had been led to salvation and many large churches had been raised up that were almost all devoted to evangelism so he asked me if he could just embrace me for a moment then he began to tell me why he was in the lowest rank of heaven hey my brothers and my sisters if all these pastors are in the lowest ranks of heaven eh, where will we be well, what is going to happen to you and what is going to happen to me so he began to explain this one he found out after the vision that the man had died and he had gone to see him in heaven at the lowest part listen to what he said and meanwhile this man started large churches which were evangelistic he said i became so proud near the end of my life I could not imagine that the Lord would do anything of significance unless he did it through me. I began to touch the Lord's anointed. That means he began to attack other pastors. And to do his prophet's harm. I was selfishly proud when the Lord used one of my own disciples. And I became jealous when the Lord moved through anyone who was outside my own ministry. I would search for anything that was wrong with them in order to expose them. I did not know that every time I did this, I demoted myself further. Every time you find something wrong with somebody and try to expose the person, you are demoting yourself as far as heaven is concerned. Mercy. I said, mercy, Lord. Put your hand and say, mercy for my soul. Mercy for my soul. Then I was surprised. I never knew you had done anything like that, I said to him. He said, uh, I did not do it myself, but I incited men under me to investigate others and do my dirty work. He said, I became the worst thing that a man could become on earth. A stumbling block who produced other stumbling blocks. We sowed fear and division throughout the church, all in the name of protecting the truth. He said, I am, he said, in my own self-righteousness, I was headed for perdition. Listen to this. He said, in his great mercy, the Lord allowed me to be struck by a disease that would bring about a slow and humiliating death just before i died i came to my senses and i repented i am just thankful to be here at all i may be one of the least of his here but it is even much more than i deserve i could not leave this room until i had a chance to apologize to those of you that i had so wronged Oliver you see God allowed him to die slowly with a disease that kills you slowly so that he will have a chance to repent but the man said but rejoiner said but you never wronged me oh I did many of the attacks that came against you were from those I had agitated and encouraged even though I never personally carried out the attacks the Lord holds me responsible as those who did 
Then I began to remember how I myself had organized disgruntled members of a church to spread their poison about that church without stopping them. I knew that just allowing them to do this without correcting them was wrong. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, there are many more stories here about more people. I can't read it all to you tonight. But I think that I have tried to show you that we are going to stand before God. You'll be judged about love. The Bible says you can do everything like these great pastors with churches. That you don't have love. You do not love your wife. You do not love other pastors, other Christians, other churches. You will amount to nothing. Whatever God lifts you up, pride is bringing you down. You'll be judged because of your pride. Are you listening to me? Jesus told us the criteria for who would be the greatest. Now on this earth, pastors are judged by the size of their cars. If you have a big car or a nice car, you are lifted up. Is that not so? But in heaven, we will not be judged by whether you have a car. You will be judged by whether you are humble. That's why when you see some of us standing here and preaching, you should pray for us. Because we are more exposed to things like pride. You know, because you preach and people are blessed, people are touched, and so on. And it's like as if we are great or as if we are doing something. You know, whereas we are nothing. If God doesn't want me, you just say, come now. And I'll just be, and that's it. You carry my dead body to Ghana. That's the end of me. It's just in a second. Like this one, they said, they gave him a slow death. Slow death because it was God's mercy. So that he should die slowly. And he said, just before he died, he just repented of everything. He came to his senses. Ladies and gentlemen, that means that God can give you a slow death or a fast death. That means you can be dead today, you can be dead tomorrow. It all depends on the Lord. That means that it is his mercy when you are still here. And why would you not change and decide to now serve the Lord? Since I have read to you the exams, what you are going to stand before, let us now humble ourselves. Let us be, decide to be the most humble member in the church. Let us decide to give ourselves to the Lord. And let us decide to rather read the Bible and know what is coming so that we will be prepared for the Lord. All that we do must not be to honor people, but must be to honor the Lord. And must be because we love the Lord. Let us leave our fellow brothers, not fight them. Our husbands and our wives, let us try to have happiness and peace and love. Because many of us don't have this. But God is going to bless us and is going to judge us on all these things. So ladies and gentlemen, eternal judgment. We must all stand before the judgment seat. Every time somebody from this church dies, by the next evening, I tell you, they are going through various things, formalities, heaven. They are bringing up issues. So many things. That's why we need mercy. And for those of us who will sit down and receive all that you are hearing, you know, you, you should not have come to church today. Because from what you've heard, it's not going to be easy for you on the judgment. I mean, you were here. So this vision is as though you've been to heaven and heard it. So your judgment is going to be different from somebody who never heard it. You have been here and you have heard it. It's time for us to lift up our eyes to the Lord. And that's why you can understand that as you go on with the Lord, you lose confidence in yourself. You don't become prouder. If you are getting closer to the Lord, you become more, you lose your confidence. You lose your, your esteem of yourself because you are actually nothing. No, everybody is nothing. We are all nobodies. We are just humble servants of the Lord. We should be humble. And God will bless us. I see you becoming fruitful in Jesus' name. They said the greatest folly, the greatest folly is to hear these things and to be barren 
useless doing nothing in the house of the lord ladies and gentlemen god wants us to do great things for him interfellowship god wants to raise up pastors leaders workers for his glory in jesus name stand to your feet please for a moment all right just can we close our eyes for a moment can i ask that you you do not go out now at this time i just need you to stay with me as i pray and we close heavenly father thank you for tonight thank you for your word thank you for eternal judgment thank you for what we've heard we praise you and we honor you for your glory in the name of jesus christ bless us oh god and touch our lives in such a special way that will never be the same again as every head is bowed and every eye closed maybe you are here somebody invited you to church but you're not a born again christian you want to say pastor i want to give my life to jesus i want to be born again if you are here like that lift up your right hand i want to pray with you before we carry on any further just your right hand i want to give my life to jesus lift it up high lift it up high god bless you pastor help me pray with me i want to be born again lift up just your right hand if you've lifted up your right hand can you come to me in the front i want to pray with you quickly god bless you okay come if you are coming come all right god bless you now i I would really appreciate that nobody walks out on me if you walk out on me as i'm doing whatever i'm doing i I consider that you are being rude because i'm I'm about to close We we are just closing the next few minutes let's pray say this prayer with me say lord jesus forgive me for my sins i come to you just as i am please accept me as your child as your servant i will follow you and obey you in jesus name amen god bless you where should they go coming with you can you go this way with our sister here just go this way okay everybody lift your hands to the lord close your eyes i want you to see us i want you to see yourself standing before a brilliant white throne almighty god judgment what will become of you what will become of me when we stand there oh god have mercy lord lord we have heard we have seen we have believed we commend our lives to you now we are turning onto a new road we shall walk on a new path preparing for the day and the time of eternal judgment bless us keep us in the way of righteousness for your name's sake in jesus name amen you may be seated how many are blessed tonight wonderful i believe that it's a sobering message is that not so this is not a message to become suicide because how many realize when the exam questions were being read that you were not ready at all how many realize that you were not ready i realized that i was not ready amen oh can the baby be taken out please okay now there is something that i'm i'm going to ask you to do all right i believe that many of us for many of us god is trying to prepare us for his work and for his ministry amen tomorrow is the last day of our camp meeting i want to encourage everyone here to make sure that you are here tomorrow amen in the morning from 9 30 we are all preparing ourselves for the lord and for his work that he should use us because now you've heard it you've seen it it's like you've had how many feel that you've had a vision you've been to heaven how many can feel that it's as though you've actually talked to people that are in heaven that's how i feel when i i i read it okay 
So I want us to come and prepare ourselves. Tomorrow is the last day. After tomorrow, I'll be gone. You'll not see me anymore. And uh, you'll be able to rest. Amen. So just come and get up your line. Let's be strong as soldiers. Amen.